All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ podcast. Thank you for letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode 38 of the KISS FAQ podcast. I am back this week, and I am your host this week. Lonnie Weissar, STL Kiss on the FAQ message board. And today I am joined by the admin, Julian. Hey, how you doing, Lonnie? Good, good. Ken, 69th Blizzard. Hello. Mark, Marcus Almighty. Greetings. And all the way from Sweden, Daniel, the Weeds. Tiana, cute little hat. What's up? All right, so. Svenska fun. We are... We are a five-man group today for the first, I think, maybe for the first time, I think, on the show. So we're going to have a lot of different opinions, and it it's a good show. It's a good episode, I think, to have five people, because I think we'll get a lot of different opinions. Because this week, we're going to do um, our top three, like, top three lists. We're going to kind of, it's like a rapid fire of our top three lists of different KISS things that we enjoy, whether it be we're going to look at our favorite KISS guitar riffs, our favorite KISS lead guitarists, and we're going to rank them. But we're going to do, I was thinking about doing like a, you always hear on the radio all the time, like a, especially if you listen to like the sports talk radio, like your Mount Rushmore of, of uh, St. Louis Cardinals or your Mount Rushmore of uh, what of, you know, whatever, maybe different kinds of cheeses. But we're... Jeez. Gonna, did did you just bring cheese in on a Kiss webcast? Right, right. Like, what, what are your favorite kinds of cheese? I think like Colby Jack has to be on there, like like a, like a Pepper Jack. Anyway, that's the wrong show. Yeah. <laughs> the cheese cast. Let's stick. Let's let's stick to Kiss. So let's first one we're gonna attack is Kiss guitar riffs. What are your favorite Kiss guitar riffs? And there's. 20 albums worth of material to choose from. So um, I hope you guys are prepared. So let's hear what you got. Daniel, what are your well, favorite Kiss riffs? Yeah. Uh, when I thought about this, it was obvious that Ace Frehley has made some sort of impact on me because his riffs popped up all over the place. So in third place, I would have to say Cold Gin, you know, the main riff. Very simple to play, but it always works for me. And in second place, I have a, a bit of a surprise, I would say. It's from the Animalize album. It's from the first song there, I've Had Enough. I like the way they play the main riff in that one. And especially when uh, Mark St. John does his crazy solo over it. But, uh, and my best one, my all-time favorite, is Parasite. <laughs> Excellent. You know that one. <laughs> Excellent, excellent choices, no doubt about it. Um, Mark, what about you? Well, uh, I'll go similar to how Daniel went from three to one. My number three one is I Stole Your Love. I've always loved that riff. It's a great opening song riff. Mr. Paul Stanley is a master at these kind of riffs. Um, The second number two is uh, one of my favorite songs off of my favorite Kiss album, which is Rock and roll over. And number two riff would be Calling Dr. Love. I always love that opening, that song. It's, you know, straightforward, but it grabs you by the nuts every time you listen to it. 
what better thing to have than a song like that? And my number one riff has got to be Black Diamond, that riff when it kicks in. That's always been one of my favorite guitar riffs. And it's a little bit more technically challenging than the most than the more common Kiss songs, so I kind of like it for that as well. And it's one of my favorite songs of all time, so there you go. Number one, Black Diamond. Nice. Excellent choice. Ken, the other member of uh, Team Dodge today. What do you What do you got? <laughs> um, it's hard, you know, to pick a pick a, a song. There's so many great riffs throughout, you know, history. Um, so, but here's the three that I picked. Um, I picked no particular order here. Um, Black Diamond is one all, my all time pretty much favorite. Kiss song anyway so and I think it's due to that riff that's in the song another one uh, second song is Going Blind I just mm. like the way that it sounds a little the way it riffs it, all, it makes me think of uh, Japanese type uh, I don't know music in some, some way I don't know why not because it's the cover of the album um, it's just something in that riff that uh, kind of makes me uh, feel that there's something Japanese-related going on there. Um, and then Mr. Speed, um, which is, of course, always an underrated song, but I think that's just a great riff. Um, there's other ones, too. I mean, I, I almost had another one. Um, I almost had Under the Rose on there because I like that, that one riff that, that goes on in that. So uh, those are my songs that... Uh, the riffs stand out for me pretty high. Interesting. You've mentioned Under the Rose, I think, before, too. On I have. It, on, I have. Yeah. On other favorite selections. Interesting. Most everybody stayed with the classic 70s stuff, except for Daniel. I've had enough Into the Fire. The only 80s selection so far. Julian. So All you're right. so you're throwing your under the, yourself under the bus by being the last one to go. That's uh, right. That's yeah. Right. Nice. Uh, well, you know, I, my my list is in no specific order, um, and I had Parasite on there because it's just balls to the walls and in your face from the first note. I really love that. But you know, I don't want to repeat other people's stuff, so I'll go with the other great riff off that album for me, which is uh, Watching You which just has a, a similar vibe of kind of dark and gr- grungy. Love it. So. Um, Deuce is probably my all-time favorite Kiss song. The riff, everything about it, it being the first Kiss song I ever heard, you know, right after I moved to America. Um, so it has a strong emotional connection with me. Um, just love that song. And that's, it always shows up on any list for me, whether it's top three riffs, top ten songs, whatever. It's always going to be there. The top ten got to be in a concert song. Um, and finally, I'm going to go into the non-makeup era and... I'm not going to choose something from Revenge, Lonnie. So you haven't you haven't done your work on me yet. Uh, but Exciter, you're all going to choose from Asylum, aren't you? I'm not. Look it up, Exciter, <laughs> first song, and it's not even that it's a very complex riff. It, there's nothing spectacular. It's just the execution of the riff and what it does for the song. I love the riff in Exciter. So Vinny, there's one for you. Wow, how about that? Well. My two of my choices were already mentioned, but I got to, I got some other ones that were that I was debating on because it's a tough thing to think about your favorite Kiss riff because there's so many great Kiss songs and riffs that stick in your head. But I have War Machine 
on my list. I love the, the grunge and, and crunch of that song with that riff, the way, especially the way it opens up. Um, love her all I can. I love the yeah, the nice little, one. I love that riff on that song. It's just something that you can get up and, and really move to. And you guys had already mentioned Parasite, and Julian already mentioned Watching You was on my list too. But um, if I was going to throw another one out there for for three, just to just to round it out, um, I guess you know I'd have to go with. Um, I don't even know because you guys said Mr. Speed. You guys have really mentioned all the, really some of those classic Kiss riffs that I really love. But um, you know, there, there's so many good riffs that you can that you can choose from. And it's interesting. You got a lot of people, a lot of ours stayed with those those '70s early on riffs. But come on, revenge. You know, I you know maybe. Uh, you know you want to you know, do it. You know you want to go to '90s. You know, you know that, uh, <laughs> that I love that Hard and Chrome riff. I love. That I gotta, I gotta throw that out there. That I, I love Heart, Heart of Chrome, or just anything on there. You know, I would actually agree with you on Heart of Chrome. I, yeah, I wouldn't, yes. you know, I, I will, I. That's one of my favorite songs on that album. So, you know, great riff. Yes. So I'm gonna go. I'll, I'll go one off, off of Revenge for Heart of Chrome tonight. So. All right. Well, let's jump into another one here. Um, favorite live mistakes or malfunctions that have that have happened over the years now kiss show is always is obviously it's complex and there's a lot of moving parts to it and, you know from time to time there are some some missteps that, that take place and so, well since i went last i'm going to go first this time with my favorites and one of them and this is ob- an obvious one's probably on a lot of people's lists but mine is i was actually there once when it happened in windsor in 2009 when um, he was going to sing after he drooled, after Gene drooled the blood and he's getting raised up to the top of the rafters he got stuck midway and I actually got a great picture of what looks like Gene flying but he's actually stuck midway between the stage and the rafters <laughs> <laughs> it actually turned out great for me Gene wasn't real pleased when he got when he finally he's like stuck midway and he's like you can see it in his face and he's like pointing down and they ended up raising him up all the way you could tell he was <laughs> But and we've all seen video of Gene getting stuck, and I was actually there when it happened. Always be nice to your roadies, Gene. It was it was pretty funny. Somebody probably got fired at the end of the show. <laughs> that and I was there once too, and and then I have a recording of it in St. Louis in 2000. They opened with Detroit Rock City, and anytime like in between the lyrics, Paul Stanley's yelling out, "St. Louis, let me hear ya," and they. As soon as the short like city's over, they go straight in the deuce, and Gene goes, "Kansas City, make some noise!" <laughs> and it was it was so obvious because you know obviously they they had the opening with "All Right, St. Louis," and Paul Stanley says "St. Louis" in Detroit like City at least three times, and he just goes "Kansas City," and then then like instead of like um, um, let me hear, baby do the things you do instead of saying Paul going do it Paul goes. St. Louis trying to trying to recover as best they could. Um, that was that's one of my favorites also, and and I guess for a third one, I guess I'm not really going to go with a malfunction or a, or a mistake, but it, it kind of a unique thing that happens at a Kiss show from time to time, and that is someone pointing a, a laser pointer up at Paul, and Paul just going batshit and starting to yell at you know, at 
at the at his at the fans basically and threatening to kick their ass. <laughs> but has that actually ever happened? That's that always felt to me that it was like a setup just for him to you know he did, he had his Michael Jackson doll in '84 and in 2000s it was the laser pointer. Um, it felt staged. It happened because yeah, because it happened multiple times that he would they would go into a banter like that. It wasn't just like one occasion. So and maybe, maybe and I, I maybe it never did happen, but just Paul acting tough and cool. <laughs> 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 Those are my favorites. So what about you guys, Ken? What about you? Uh, my mistakes. Not my mistakes. Let's hear Ken's three. Let me say, I'll tell you, I got a lot of mistakes, more than kids. <laughs> um, first of all, one of them uh, that I remember seeing on one of the live videos, I might have been Houston or one of the, like, 77 or something like that. Gene, Gene forgetting the lyrics, as he's done many times, but the one where he's just making up mumbling making mumbling noises during Let Me Go Rock and Roll. Um, I remember that one. That was a good one. Um, the other one was a few years back where, uh, and they have a video on, on YouTube where uh, the truss up above uh, got caught on fire. Mm-hmm. One of the pyros got, you know, <laughs> went on fire and they had to stop the show. So as they brought down the truss so the guys could put out the, the uh, fire, as that's going on, because it's coming down very slow, uh, Kiss breaks into Firehouse, which wasn't even a song on their set list for that tour. And it was a, pretty much an instrumental. Um, I think Eric Carr, or not Eric Carr, Eric Singer kicked it off yep. and kind of got it started. And uh, then he sang a little bit of the lyrics, I believe, as it was going along. But uh, that, that was a pretty good one. I like to check that one out. Um, another one would be for me is, uh, you know, the classic Ace gets shocked on stage, you know, um, I wasn't there to see it, of course, but, uh, that's just, you know, it's a big historic thing in, in Kiss, Kiss's history. So those are mine. Yeah, big thing that led into to wireless guitars on stage, really revolutionary. Shock me, maybe for me. Yeah, Revolution and Stage Sheds. <laughs> Those are good ones. Mark, what about you? Um, well, I guess uh, one of them is one that I'm sure everybody's seen a dozen times, but I, every time I see it, I can't help but laugh. And well, I shouldn't laugh, but I mean, when Gene's hair catches fire, you gotta kind of laugh <laughs> when you see that. Somebody comes running out after him and dumps a towel on his head. I'm sure he must love that when that happens. Uh, that's one of them. Uh, another one that I thought was kind of interesting was on the uh, re- during the reunion tour on the weenie roast thing. I've always loved the fact that there are uh, martial lamps that come flying up from the from the bottom and they rise up during King of the Nighttime World on that show, and everything seemed to kind of malfunction on them and started going up during the first song by accident. And they're, even their siren from Firehouse started going off and everything during that opening song so I'm sure that there was a few people that uh, got a talking to, a stern talking to after that happened um, on stage because I'm sure that was not what they were hoping to have happen. I mean, talk about ruining your uh, momentum having that happen. And uh, I guess the, uh, the, the third one for me that I've always laughed about is, I think somebody already mentioned that too, was the whole getting caught halfway up 
or even Paul going halfway out and getting stuck on his, you know, flying out over the audience bit there. You know, that, that's, I'm sure that those situations are funny to us, but I'm sure for them it's probably a little bit uh, nerve-wracking to have something like that happen. So, we uh, risked our lives for you guys, for yeah, five exactly. years, boy. <laughs> that's the most fun thing. For you. So, so, yeah, so those are the three for me that I think are the funniest things for, for me out of their uh, mishaps on stage. Yeah, those are good ones, too. Um, comical comical to us, but probably pretty scary for them sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Daniel, what about you? Well, you've said most of them, but uh, I just have to add Ace Fall, and it's always funny to... It's always funny. <laughs> he, had, he had such bad balance. And the other one I thought of was... I don't know, it wasn't really a mistake, but it wasn't planned. If you remember uh, the reunion tour in Japan when they did like uh, medleys, and Ace Frehley started to play his own songs, or sort of his own songs, go- going into Rocket Fight. And you could see Gene getting more mad, all the uh, madder and madder. And, and at the end, he said, What does the Ace Frehley band want to play now? I, I always like that. <laughs> It's <laughs> pretty good. You can tell they're a little bit on each other's nerves. They had enough of, of one another by that point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Julian, saved you for last this time. You know, Ken and Mark both said the, the two I was really thinking of, and that's the weenie roast uh, premature um, fireworks um, and the, the fire on the truss. Um, I love that Firehouse one where Eric starts playing a bit of Firehouse. It just is so appropriate and hilarious. Um, I'm not big on actually paying attention to like the uh, the mistakes. I, I think if I was to think of kind of ones that are entertaining, it'd be you know them hassling drummers to get back behind the kit for encores, um, like you know Gene saying when when Eric Singer is ready to play again, you know stuff like that, and vid- and video screens because usually. The last few tours, I've been in shitty seats. Um, I've relied on the video screens. I've always found it hilarious when they cut a camera back over to someone and they're either looking stupid um, or looking like they've just picked their nose or something. So, um, you know, there's not much. You know, I, I, it's always good to see Gene dangling, but that just hasn't happened at any shows I've been at. So uh, may, maybe, maybe one more time before they hang it up, I'll get to see Gene hanging around. You know, maybe upside down a little bit. That'd be good. Uh, See, nice and pissed off. You know, maybe pissed off Shannon that day, and she's there jerking the, you know, the wire, and he's, you know, bouncing around <laughs> like a puppet. But you know, um, live mistakes. You know, uh, can we say putting Tommy and Eric in makeup? Uh, no. <laughs> There's one for the Kool Aid drinkers. There you go. You're inviting the rat. <laughs> Well, along those lines, let's jump into another one that's always debated, and it and it always gets a lot of attention more probably than any other discussion is your favorite Kiss lead guitarist. Um, and should we keep it? Should we keep it the three? So we leave a couple of them out. Let's let's keep it at three. Yeah. That way you leave a few of them out, even out of your top three. So, um, Daniel, let's kick it off with you. Number one. Ace Frehley, number two, Vinnie Vincent, number three, Bruce Kulick. There you go. There you have it. Right out of the gate. 
Mark. Yeah. Well, for me, it's always going to be Bruce, number one. He's my favorite guy, hands down. And then a two and three were sort of a toss-up, but today it's going to be Ace, second, and Tommy, third. Tommy. Wow. Tommy, third. Nice. <laughs> you are inviting the wrath. I, I, I think that invites an explanation. Honestly, I mean, I've been watching a lot of their shows, like, from as far back as, you know, the early ones, and even a lot of the new ones, like, uh, like those uh, German rock AM shows and stuff like that, download and stuff like that, and I, I gotta hand it to, to Tommy, I mean, I've heard him play Ace solos better than Ace plays them on some nights, you know, and I mean, that's not to be an insult, but that's a fact of the matter, I mean, you know. Sure, Peter Chris used to always say, oh, you know, I like Ace's way better because, you know, he, you can hear his jewelry jangling up against the guitar, and when he fucks up, you can hear things that it has style and feel. But you know what? I mean, being a guitar player, I can understand some of it being style, but some of it is just plain sloppiness. Let's just, you know, call it a spade a spade. It's a, it is sloppiness. And, you know, I just think that Tommy's a more fluent and more... You know, he thinks he, he's more thought out with what he's doing with it. Sure, he's playing Ace's stuff and he's playing Bruce's stuff and none of it's really his own except for the last two records, but he's he plays the stuff accurately and he plays it well. And then on some nights, he does play them better than Ace did. That's how I feel. Cool. Yeah, well, Mark, um, you're going to get nailed this week, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Be prepared. Uh Ken, what about you? Okay, the guitar player. Yeah, Ace, number one. Number two, Bruce Kulik. Number three, Tommy. Oh. Player. That's, he's my number three also, just like Mark. Right he's got to give him props for, you know, being the go-to guy. He's been with the band for a long time now. I know he's playing Ace Freely's licks, um, but you know what? We wouldn't want to play some other solo. I wouldn't want to hear a different solo in those classic songs than what he plays now. So, uh, you know, I got to give him credit. And, you know, stand-up guy. <laughs> right on. Julian. You know, that's cool that a couple of you have mentioned Tommy because, let's face it, he is due, due props for, you know, 14 years of work with the band and everything he did before then. You know, I, I do respect him, and I don't really have a, I don't have a problem with him. Um, so... Nice to see some people showing him some respect. Mine, Ace, obviously, is the original. Um, everything about the unpredictability of him. And you just never knew what you were going to get. You know, whether it was going to be a good performance, whether it was going to not be a good performance. Um, you know, so everything about that. My number two, I'm, I'm going to rate him only by his studio work, and that's Vinny. Um, just perfection as a reboot for guitar for Kiss in the studio. I never saw him live, and everything I've heard from him live, I really don't like how he changed things live, but I love his studio work. Uh, and number three is Bruce. Bruce is the guitarist of the the primary primary era of the band when I became a fan, so for me, he was Kiss's guitarist at the time, and that kind of sticks in my mind. And the class with which he behaves... The you know dedication he still shows the Kiss Army, the respect he shows the band, everything about that man is just pure class. Um, do I do I like how he did the the seventies Kiss songs? 
I think he was respectful while trying to update them and working within the parameters of what he's being asked to do. So I, I think he's a fantastic guitarist. Um, you know, so he's right up there. And you know, you guys have already said the good stuff about Tommy, and unfortunately, there's really not much to, to really say about Mark. You know, um, you talk about Bruce and Mark. You said Bruce was your favorite, and you got to remember, it's been nearly 20 years since Bruce has played in Kiss, and Bruce has just been the most stand-up individual he could possibly be. Um, since that time, you know, I mean, Eric's come back into the band and flourished in the band. Bruce is not. And, but Bruce is, he has really sort of carried the torch for the non-makeup years and for his era of the band. And he, he's really just, just class doesn't even describe how Bruce has handled himself the last 20 years with, with, um, the way he's handled the situation and, and carried the torch for his era of the band. So. Uh, my top three are Ace Fairly number one, Bruce Kulik number two, and then Vinnie Vincent. Um, Ace Fairly number one. Ace Fairly just I saw him. I got to see him actually last week at, at Pops. He was just he was incre- it was incredible. Um, put on a great show and hadn't seen him live in quite a while, so it was it was awesome to see and just like re- reaffirm myself. This is why he's just so amazing. It's awesome to see him. So all right. I, I just have to say about Bruce, uh, I mean, he was a team player and he was all good and, uh, and well and, and all that, but his problem was he couldn't really perform live to me. I think Vinnie Vincent was even a, a whole lot better live than Bruce. He was a great player live, but it always felt kind of awkward and it felt like a studio musician on stage to some extent, even though he made a lot of progress, but uh, that was always a problem for me with Bruce that... You know, it didn't look quite right when he pointed to someone. His arm was like bent like this, and uh, and he couldn't really look cool when he did this. And you know, so it it didn't really work on stage, but it played phenomenally live. So, but but I just wanted to get that in that in there that uh, on stage. Uh, it was never my favorite. Yeah, and that, that's kind of interesting, you know, because maybe he'd been a sideman too long, you know, with being with Meatloaf, you know, Bolton, who also detoured with before being in Kiss, you know, that he'd been the uber session guy. So, yeah. who knows, maybe that... He supposed may- to stand in the back and not be noticed. Yeah, exactly. You know, you see him on the Andrea True, the, uh, the whatever that video is, you know, he's just standing there, you know, playing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Spruce Cool. <laughs> Yeah, Bruce, Bruce. So let's stick along those lines, and we talked about our favorite Kiss guitar players. Let's rank the Kiss drummers. Wow, this is hard, and this is interesting, and it should be entertaining. So, Julian, let's start with you this time. All right, um, Peter Chris, number one, the original, um, and I don't care about his technical imperfections. I don't care about any of the negatives that can be associated with Peter Chris as a human being, as a universal entity. It is about the perfection of what he brought into the into the like the recipe of Simmons, Stanley, Frelly, and Chris. Listening to the seventy five, seventy six bootlegs of when he was really on fire, um 
and his drumming is the soundtrack to all those songs, all those fills, the way they're originally performed. Uh, it, it, again, it's for me the same thing as Ace. Um, you know, just the original. Number two, again, because he was the drummer during the time I got into the band, is Eric Carr. And the thunderous double bass that he brought um, was just a real reinvigoration to the band. You go from listening to the 70s stuff and then listening to New Kiss in the 80s with Eric Carr. Love him to pieces. Loved his personality in interviews. Loved how he came across. Um, very, very entertaining. And then Eric Singer. Um, you know, and that's not to denigrate Eric in any way because he's an absolutely fantastic drummer. I think he's technically better than Eric Carr, um, and he's certainly better technically than Peter. But just because those two come before him, you know, that's how I rank him. Very good, very interesting. I think good points for for all three of them. Not to take anything away from Eric Singer or anything, but good points for all three of them. Ken, what about you? Well, I think uh, Jillian was looking over my shoulder in class <laughs> when I <laughs> <ate> the drummers. <laughs> um, I have the exact same three. Peter as number one, Eric Carr number two, and Eric Singer uh, number three. Um, pretty much for the same reasons. Um, he pretty much you know, took the words out of my mouth. Um, you know, Peter is just, no one else can even, you know, let's talk about, you know, uh, Kiss supposedly telling Eric Singer to play like Peter Chris, but that's not true. And they're not telling him to play like Peter Chris and, and so on. Um, I don't think anyone could really play like Peter Chris, but Peter Chris. So he had his own jazz influence style, and and, and it and it worked. It just worked with the the songs that they were writing. So it had that feel. And then I like and like Julian said, Eric Carr. Uh, you know, invigorated the band. Um, you know, it, it made them, you know, heavier, I guess, in a sense. So, um, and Eric Singer's, you know, Eric Singer's solid, solid drummer, you know. Um, I can't say anything bad about him. So, my list same as Julian. Very nice. Daniel, what about you? Yeah, my list is not the same. Um, <laughs> oh, I, w- <laughs> I would just like to say that... Uh, I have to set a date after every drummer because they change so much. You know, like Peter Chris after the to- after Japan in seventy was it seventy seven, seventy eight, somewhere around there. He totally lost it, so that guy doesn't even get on my list. But uh, and same goes for Eric Carr. He kind of I think he had like a few really good years around the mid eighties, but on the Hot in the Shade tour, there he didn't play. It's good, uh, I think, is at least. Uh, but my list, number one, <clears throat> yeah, number one, Eric Singer, 1992. Let's see what people say about that one. Yeah. But to me, you have to remember, I started getting into Kiss in the mid '80s, but I was just a little kid, and it was uh, around the Revenge album I understood music to some extent, at least. And uh, the way when I listened to Alive Three. That has been butchered on this show. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I really liked uh, the way he played Deuce. Parasite didn't get on Alive 3, but the way he played Parasite was like, oh, he, he totally updated that song and, and made it like a, a new favorite to me. And um, 
so Eric Singer, but you have to set the 1992, the year 1992 after him because nowadays he wouldn't be my favorite. I mean, it was just the way he kind of incorporated uh, the new way of playing into the old songs. And still, you know, it, it was much like Bruce did with the solos, you know, he kind of updated them without um, going too far, you know. And number two, Peter Chris. 1975, somewhere around there. I think I love the way he played in the, the early days. Uh, kind of crazy. If you look at the Winterland concerts, for example, watching him yeah. play in Parasite uh, in Winterland is wow, that's really cool. But then looking at him, you know, uh, the first reunion tour in uh, we can't even compare that one. But but the way he played Deuce in 1996 was, was like awful. Uh, so Peter Chris 1975 and then in third place Eric Carr and I would say 84 you know the end of my story have a look at Animalize Live Uncensored uh, he plays really good in that video so that's my list nice very nice very nice and you bring up a good point with how the the three drummers really did change during their different tenures with the band I mean it's not fair to compare Peter Chris in 1975 to Peter Chris in 1996, and, other, and and the other drummers as well. Mark, what about you? Well, I can see the tomatoes coming my way again for my <laughs> list, but uh, I'm going to say that my number one is Eric Singer, and I don't need any sort of date for that. I mean, what I'm going to say about him is that when, I, when he first came into the band, I thought that what he did to the songs drumming-wise was just phenomenal. He just gave them a new life. He said they were absolutely more exciting with him on drums. I mean, it, I just remember hearing him play those songs and thought, wow, this is this is awesome. There was just so much more energy to it. And I mean, even though now he's kind of toned it down since he's come back with the makeup on it, I mean, we know what he's capable of doing. And I'm sure that if you wanted to, or, or, or better yet, if Gene and Paul let him go back to that kind of way of playing it. He can easily do it now, but I think he's just being kind of pulled back as a listen, let's keep it classic, don't overdo it, and stuff like that. He's just kind of playing in more, you know, Peter Chris-ish way than he, than he did when he first started in the band. Um, my number two is Eric Carr. Um, I've always thought that he was exactly what Kiss needed at that time, because by the time 79, 80 hit, the last thing he talked about in Kiss was the drumming, I'm pretty sure. Because, I mean, first of all, Anton Fig did most of the drumming for 7980 anyways on the records. So if, if there was anything great to talk about with that, with those records, it wasn't anything to do with him. But, uh, you know, I think that those records, like, Creatures of the Night is enough to cement Eric Carr for a number two. I mean, his drumming on that is just stellar. I think that what he's... And, I mean, he... He, as much as people talk about Vinnie Vincent, you know, saving Kiss or whatever with his playing and his writing and stuff like that, I mean, Eric Carr's drumming definitely definitely brought in a new generation of young drummers who are probably now getting into drumming and thought that he was pretty cool with what he was doing with Kiss songs. So I think that he's a good number two. Peter Chris, I mean, he is the original, I understand, and, you know, when he started off, he was awesome and stuff like that. I'm not going to take that away from him, but overall... As a drummer, he's my least favorite in style. And, you know, I just think that he let things get to him. 
and I mean, that's neither here nor there, but I mean, a lot of these other guys who were in the band were in there longer than them and didn't let the rigors of rock and roll affect them as much, you know, or at least it didn't appear that way. We didn't just see it happen in front of our eyes as easily as Peter Chris let it happen, but I just thought that it deteriorated his drumming a lot. And it, he just wasn't the drummer that he was when he started, and he just, you know, for, for as good as he was at the beginning, he was still not my favorite drummer, so... That's why he always will be kind of third in the list for me. Nice. Interesting. Um, for me, my favorite Kiss drummer is Peter Chris, And basically for the same reasons that Julian and Ken said, that he he was a part of that original formula and that original feel in the 70s and made those songs, what they are in my mind whenever I think about any of those classic Kiss songs. Um, just a part of that formula that made Kiss Kiss during that classic era. And without his style, those songs to me wouldn't wouldn't be this, wouldn't sound the same and wouldn't have the same importance to me without Peter Chris's drumming on. So. But what about Unholy with Peter Chris on the drums? <laughs> Peter Chris never played Unholy. <laughs> Don't worry, Eric Singer's second because he plays on hold. <laughs> but Eric Singer is, is my second favorite drummer. Um, not not only for the work that he did on Revenge and in that era, but for the work that he's done coming coming back um, and what he's done with the band since then. He's carried you know the band forward and kept the band sounding kept the band sounding great. In the in the post reu post farewell era, um, he's done a phenomenal job. And to echo what what Daniel was saying, though, I think his drumming on the Revenge tour is great, and he brought new life into a, quite a few of those songs. And it just you listen to not not a live three, but listen to like the Detroit show from '92, and listen to some of those club shows. Eric just sounds just fantastic. The songs just breathe new life that that I don't think even can be touched today. And third is Eric Carr. And not to take anything away from Eric Carr being third on my list at all, I think Eric did a phenomenal job in, in the 80s um, carrying the band through that time period. And maybe the other reason why he's third on my list is he's the one Kiss drummer I never got to see live and maybe didn't have as much of an impact on me personally um, as the other two have, so... That's my list. We've covered some of the more controversial topics for Kiss fans. There's their favorite league, your favorite league guitars, and your favorite uh, drummers. So let's do something that might be a little more entertaining, anyway. And that is your favorite Kiss stage banters. What what Paul Stanley stage banters do you like the most, or maybe you're the most embarrassing? Like, <laughs> um. I'm going to go first to my favorite uh, stage, maybe not necessarily banter, but favorite thing Kiss did in between the songs ever was in 2010 when they did the outdoor amphitheater show. And that's when they were pledging a dollar for every ticket sold to the wounded warriors. And they bring the check out and they update the check every night. And, the, you know, they talk about how great the United States of America is and they put their hand on their heart and say the pledge of allegiance and, very patriotic with what they were doing and showing respect for 
um, people in the military. I just thought that was about the coolest thing I'd ever seen him do in between a song ever. Um, my second number two for me is the intro that they did to Do You Love Me on the farewell tour. How Paul would talk about how, you know, at the beginning the critics never gave us a chance and, and you people showed them they were wrong and, re- and really kind of fired the crowd up that that you that the crowd that the the Kiss Army was a part of the band's success um, throughout the early days and then he said in the eighties you know people thought that it's over but you know you showed them they were wrong again and talked about the reunion tour showed them they were wrong and here we are the night on the farewell tour and you know you guys are here supporting the band I really thought that was cool especially at the time because I think. You know, a lot of bands weren't. A lot of bands aren't as maybe they're they they are appreciative of their fans like Kisses, but Kisses is very vocal, usually even on stage, about how appreciative they are of of their fans and their loyalty throughout their career. Um, and I always thought that was a, a class act on the band's part. And for a third one, I'm gonna say how they intro Cold Gin a lot of the time about how. Um, no, you know, talk about, you know, it's a, a song, you know, about when you're down in the dumps, you know, and you need something to bring you up. But then they also say, talk about, um, you know, but if you're going to be drinking, don't drive. And I always, you know, they always throw that in there. And I always thought that was really cool that, that they throw that in there, you know, that, you know, Paul saying, I don't want to preach to you. But, you know, I, I just thought that was cool that they throw that in there, even though, you know, they're singing a song about, about gin and that they're going to, about drinking, but they're always, you know, relay a positive message to their fans to keep them. You know, I, I just thought that was a cool thing to do. So, those are my three. Julian, what about you? I hate stage band. I'd rather they shut up and play another song. <laughs> and what about you? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Julian. Oh, no, I'm done. I think are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so- <laughs> okay, you're serious. Totally serious. All right, well. It's, a, it's like, that's really nice, and I play Love Gun. <laughs> Basically, the stage managers for me is, I mean, there's a lot of good ones over the years, but I just, I'm just sticking to Alive, anything off Alive. Um, basically, like uh, Lonnie was talking about Cold Gin um, back then, that was kind of, I enjoyed that thing where, you know, he's saying uh, how many of you like to drink tequila and, you know, vodka and orange juice and, and uh, Paul Stanley's heavy, you know, uh, New York accent. Um <laughs> It was good. And I, also, towards the end of the uh, live, where he says, you know, you've been a dynamite audience. And you, you know, you deserve to give yourself a round of applause, uh, that kind of thing. That was good. Um, so, you know, it's pretty much the stage banters from Alive. I'm not as hard on them as Julian is. Those are just classic. You know, when you think about stage banters, you, you would think about a live, and you know, and that's, that's one thing that's not really on a live too. Is it's, oh, it's one thing that makes a live feel more like a live concert too. Is that they have more of the, of the Paul Stanley stage banters intertwined into, into in between the songs. Mark, what about you? Well, I have really just two that come to mind. Really, uh, one of them that's really stuck in my mind. That I thought was really cool that they did was um, I'm trying to remember if, if it's. The Rock, was it the Rock M show? It's one of the ones that they did during the Sonic Boom tour. And uh, it was just after Ronnie James Dio died. And uh, right before they played Firehouse, I remember Paul kind of stopped. And before he 
did the whole thing with the firehouse shtick and mentioned that uh, Ronnie's passing and everybody started chanting deal with him on stage. And then uh, they went into the firehouse right after that and dedicated to him. I thought that was really cool because I've never really heard Paul mention other bands in the kind of positive way on stage like that before. So it's good to hear that, uh, you know, he would say something nice about his contemporaries, I guess, on stage, right? Um, and the other one that used to always crack me up for years and years, and I remember there was a, one of the, I remember on another podcast or somewhere I heard, they did this little shtick where they put together about 50 of these in a row where Paul would talk about going to the doctor all the time. And the guy, they would always, used to always say, if this guy went to the doctor as often as he did, then man, there must be something wrong with this guy because... I remember somebody said that he followed like three or four shows in a row and every night they were surprised he kept bringing up the same doctor story every night, right? So I guess that guy who was kind of remembered, you know, at that point that this was a, uh, you know, part of the show, the whole story, right? So, but I always thought that the whole, you know, the doctor and the nurse thing with him is always been one of those funny stories that I always got a kick out of whenever I heard. So those are the two that really stick out in my mind. Daniel, what about you? Well, anything that reminds me of Paul Stanley, if Paul Stanley rem reminds me of being a teacher or a preacher, I fucking hate it. So, <laughs> because I'm a teacher myself and I know how you have to work around certain things and always uh, say the right things, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so what you said, Lonnie, about, uh, you know, like, what did you say? You said something that rattled me. Um, you said that when Paul Stanley said, well, don't drink and drive or something like that. Right. I fucking hate it when he says <laughs> stuff like that. He's supposed to be a rock and roll star, not a teacher or a preacher. And, you know, when he starts all this, you know, you know, God is, you know, all that kind of God talk. I fucking hate it. And this is the thing I hate the most with the current kiss that I'm getting a little bit too close to the religious thing and they have forgotten to play it like the rebels that they were in the beginning so what i liked when i was a kid was when he went on stage and he said what about the new kids motherfuckings on the block oh yeah jesus you, those fucking turds they suck so i like that because we were 15 you like that kind of stuff and also you know like billy vanilli what kind of shit is that that's the way you should speak. You're not a role model for kids. You're a rock and roll star. I mean, teachers and preachers are everywhere. You can just tell it like it is. So uh, those kind of things, I loved when he talked like that. Even though at times he was a bit silly when he started to like try to put in every swear word that he knew, you know, every profanity that he ever, ever, ever heard. It became kind of silly. But... But, but to some extent, you know, when he, he like, said that New Kids of the Block and Mila Vanilli sucked, I like, whoa, yeah, because I, I thought they did. So, so those are some of my favorite rock and roll banters. And uh, the other thing I have to mention, my absolute favorite of all time is when Gene tries to be the ringleader and fails miserably. You know, in the early days, I think it's, like, back in 74, he goes up to the mic, you know, Paul Stanley's doing something else, and, and Gene goes up to the mic. Uh, how many of you are out there? Like a hundred? And then he, that's the end of it. That's my all-time favorite. 
That's my all-time favorite. So yeah. That's where, there's, that's where there's, his acting skills favorite. come from, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a reason why Gene was not chosen to be the one to talk in between songs. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I got, there, there's one out there, too, and Gene's like, it's, it's early on, it's like 74, and Gene's like, well, we're from New York, how are you? <laughs> 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 Gene, shut up. You know, I think Daniel brought up a couple of good ones. Um, they all make me cringe, and I, I stand by Shut Up and Play Another Song, but the one that makes me cringe the most, and I, I know they're supposed to be your favorite, but it's the Michael Jackson um, in the 80s. I just, Paul doing the high pit, the even higher pitch voice mocking Michael Jackson, and I know some people liked that back at the time, but um, one that I'd ha actually forgotten about is when he's talking um, about Gene and babies, and that baby had the damn, the longest damn tongue I've ever seen. That's actually pretty cool. Uh, Less cringeworthy than some of the others that have been mentioned. Oh, yeah. yeah. Julian, see, you did join in with a little bit of stuff. I tried. I tried. I couldn't leave it just being so damn <laughs> negative. All right. Um, let's look at... Let's do another one here. Non-makeup albums. We all have our favorite makeup albums, but we... You know, the non-makeup gets overlooked. So what about your favorite non-makeup albums? We're talking 80s. Fucking look it up through Carnival. Anything's free game. So, Mark, what do you got? Well, I think uh, not too long ago we talked about what was my favorite non-makeup album, which was Asylum. So that was uh, definitely my numero uno one. Uh, number two, actually, is uh, Lick It Up. I really like that record, too. Um has some pretty good songs and you know being that it was the first one out of makeup they had to make it pretty strong you know they had to come out of the gates with something pretty good i still think creatures is a better record than lick it up but we're talking about non-makeup here so um but lick it up is my number two and um uh, you know not that it's one of my favorites but i mean compared to what's left out of the non-makeup stuff i went with animalize for number three um you know, Heaven's on Fire, Into the Fire, you know, songs like that, Thrills in the Night, good songs, and, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly, and uh, that, that, that's about it, I mean, I did, I'm not much for the other non-makeup songs, so picking the three non-makeup ones were relatively simple for me, so those were the three for me. No revenge from Mark. Julian, what about you? You're not going to get any revenge this time either, Lonnie. Um, <laughs> Asylum, obviously, you listened to the last episode. Um, it's not because it's the best album they've ever recorded. It's just because of its importance to me. Um, Lick It Up, pretty much perfection as an album for me. But I do think it could use more ballsy and raw production to make it even tougher. Um, but then Vinny wouldn't be allowed to wear pink on the cover. Um, and then for my, th my third pick, and really there's not a whole lot of choice in this. I'm taking Hot in the Shade. Um... And you're going to think, what the hell is wrong with you? Uh, yes, there's some shite on that album, but it's so far less calculating, less pandering, less contrived than Revenge to me. Um, yeah, the production is crap. The, the guitars are miles above on Revenge. But rise to it forever. Hide your heart. The street giveth. Unholy, take it off. Come on. No. No, no. I, I think the songs are more promising, even though they're the demos. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll take that final one from that lineup over Revenge any day of the week. 
Daniel, bring us back on well, I just have to say that Revenge is the best sounding Kiss record, maybe ever, I don't know, but at least a non-makeup album. But, unfortunately, it doesn't make the top three. Oh, uh, <laughs> you guys are all crazy. <laughs> the most the polished top three turd. consists, for me, of, uh, you know, Asylum and Lick It Up. Ugh, I had a hard time picking number one, but for me... Uh, the two final songs on Lick It Up does absolutely, they do absolutely nothing for me. Like on the eighth day, God created rock and roll. Oh, you know, we're a secular country over here, so I don't care for that kind of stuff. And uh, also, Dance All Over Your Face. No, I don't like that one. But the rest of the album is fantastic. But Asylum has, what did you call it? Low middle ground or something. Oh, um, Mark. Yeah, yeah, but better ever when I said uh, <laughs> no, no, no stinkers. So yeah, like, yeah, it, it was it has a it has a good middle ground. There's a not, good middle yeah. ground. Yeah, a good middle ground. So so uh, to me, Asylum is number one, number two, Lick It Up, is animalized but gene if it only could have brought like at least one or two good songs but he didn't so that's why animalized in third and close fourth place revenge all right <laughs> throw me a freaking bone here <laughs> ken what about you well uh you know it's this is it was kind of hard but uh my number one is a tie between Lick It Up and Revenge. Yes. <laughs> um, though I kind of lean on the Lick It Up side a little bit more than Revenge. So. But uh, it's, I go back, you know, back and forth on those two. Uh, number two for me would be Asylum. And then number three, uh, Wicked Lester. No, just kidding. Uh, Animalize. <laughs> Animalize would be my, my third. Um, I don't have Hot in the Shade on there. I, I couldn't. I couldn't with the the drum machine on some of those songs. I think was playing instead of Eric Carr. So I just I can't do it. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna lose favor with, with Julian because you didn't put Hot in the Shade. In your <laughs> no. Maybe I was just trying not to pick Revenge, Lonnie. <laughs> I know you're you beyond the day, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna get under his skin. Well, my number one is obviously it's Revenge. Two, for me, no one picked this. It's Carnival of Souls. I really like a lot of the songs on there. Um, I think it's an overlooked album. Um, I think production-wise it could have been a lot better, but I still really enjoy Carnival of Souls. Um, maybe it's because of the time frame it came out to, but I really, enjoy, I, I still really like Carnival of Souls. And third is going to be let's get, uh, Lick It Up. Um, I know... Daniel done like on the eighth day, but you know, I, I think Look It Up has, has a lot of great quality to it also. Vinny's plan yeah. Vinny's plan on there is incredible. So So which one is the best album? Can we decide? We all differ. We all Lick differ. It Up uh, I think Lick It Up uh, I think Lick It Up had the, the most votes though. Yeah, uh, maybe Lick It Up is the best. Asylum had a lot of votes. There's a lot of Julian Lemmings out there that <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, that, if I've uh, got to pick uh, one out of my three, I'll take "Lick It Up" easily. You know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 
Alright. You guys want to do another one? Heck yeah. Yeah, sure. Do another one. Favorite Kiss videos. Kiss wasn't really big on... Kiss doesn't have the best videos. Kiss has a lot of cringe-worthy videos, actually. Um, but, you know, I'm going to go I'm gonna go with my favorite videos. Number one is God Gave Rock and Roll to You. Um... One because it was one of the it was probably one of the one of the first times in a video that they started flashing back to to showing some classic seventies footage um, in the video and it's Eric Carr's last real um, appearance with the band. Uh, so maybe for more sentimental reasons, Guy gave rock and roll to use my favorite Kiss video. Number two is War Machine. I think they nailed War Machine as a video. Did they do War Machine as a video? No, what am I? I'm a, what am I thinking? I love it loud. What am I saying? I love it loud. I'm sorry. What am I? Like I wish I saw that. Yeah, drugs in there. <laughs> I love it loud. Is my is my second favorite. I think they nailed that video. Um, and it and it could have been War Machine for and it, it didn't have to be that even that song even. It just the way they set up that video was incredible. I, I think it was really good. You know, the kid eating dinner and. You know, and then his eyes at the end. But it was, and it's great footage of the band also. So, And my third one, and I don't think I'm going to get any argument from any of you, and that's Who Wants to Be Lonely is my third favorite kiss video. For Girls! For, <laughs> Girls! For obvious reasons. So, <laughs> uh, Ken, what about you? Let's go with you. Well, I wasn't totally thinking of in individual videos, but I will say uh, when you're talking about it, I Love It Loud. That was the one with the tank stage. Um, it's just... You know, catching Kiss in their element um, kind of thing, even though it wasn't live technically. Um, that's that's a great video. Um, I think going back, um, another one was great was uh, "Come On and Love Me." That video is a, is a cool thing to watch. And uh, as a third, I'm just gonna go with a bootleg <laughs> and 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 go with the Winterland, San Francisco, and uh, I just love that as its own little entity. So those are my three. There you go. I don't like you're gonna make me. No one's gonna argue with you on the Winterland or anything. So, Mark, what about you? Well, um, my favorite, and this is gonna be this more has more to do with the fact that uh, I really like this song, and I know I mentioned this when we did the top ten favorite songs about how much this song had a positive uh, impact on me in memory when I remember when I heard this song when I was driving in California, and that's Turn On The Night, which I thought was a, you know, I really love that song. The video for it, I thought it was one of the ones where they, you know, looks like they spent a few, more than a few dollars on it. So it's, it's not a bad video. I mean, it is not the greatest video ever, but it's, you know, I think for me, it, like I said, musically it has more to do with why I like it more than the video, but I, it's always been a favorite for me. So that's going to be numero uno. Number two for me, I I've always liked the Lick It Up video for some reason. I thought that, uh, you know, considering that it was the first thing for them out of the gate without makeup for them to come out and show themselves was kind of a daring way to go with the whole, you know, zooming in on the legs for the first while in the video and not showing them and then uh, panning up and showing them in their non-makeup glory there. Uh, I thought it was an interesting video, the whole post-nuclear war thing, which was probably done to death by that point, but it was an interesting take on it. I don't know what it had to do with licking it up as a song, but it's still interesting to, you know, 
concept for a video. And number three, in keeping with my favorite non-makeup album, Asylum, I have to go with Tears Are Falling. I always thought that was an interesting video. And, uh, you know, it's a great song. And I thought it was, to me, it's the fam- my favorite of the videos that they made from that album. So I have to go with that one. Paul Stanley does the windshield wipers at the end. That just Exactly. Daniel, what about you? Well, um, third place. I didn't hear Mark's, but but I'm sure if you like this one. But a lot of Kiss videos, in a lot of Kiss videos, they just like put everything they have in the live show into the video. The fire breathing, the rockets, the bombs, you know, every effect. And the best version of that is actually modern day Delilah. Uh, kind of a good <coughs> video, actually. If you're if you haven't seen Kiss before, it's a good representation of the band. So that's in third place. Second place, I would actually say uh, I love it loud. Uh, good video. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just a great video. But in the first place. Unholy, I think that's like when I saw that back in '92. I thought, "What the hell has happened to Jean? I mean, where's the dresses? Where are the big <laughs> hair? You know, it's back. This is awesome." And that was actually, you know, when you met someone who didn't like Kiss, you just like still to this day when you're at a party, you know, uh, play play your favorite video, YouTube video that you know. It's a it's very common here when you're at the party. You start playing videos, and uh, I always put on Unholy by Kiss, and they're like, "What is that Kiss? Kind of having cool." So it still works to this day. So that's my all-time Kiss favorite video, and God gave rock and roll to you would also be on there. But but the the title is too cringe-worthy for me, so I, I can't do with it. I can't do with that one. But the video is is fourth. Very nice, nice. Nice pick for Unholy. Julian, what do you got? Well, I think I've had to reevaluate my choices while you guys have talked because you brought up some really good points. Um, I, I had listed Who Wants to Be Lonely because of the 14-year-old me and the girls, but you know what? Tears are falling because it's the video that got my attention for Kiss. Um, so I, I need to try and be somewhat consistent, even though Kiss fans don't need to be. Um God gave rock and roll to you just because it's Eric Carr's, you know, final, you know, it's his swan song with the band. Um, and I do love how it was filmed. I like the flashbacks, um, everything about it. And I think for my third one, I'm going to have to go with All Hell's Breaking Loose because it's a little bit more artistically developed than Lick It Up. Girls with swords. So, you know. <laughs> We're meeting everything there. We've got the swords, we've got the girls, uh, and it's comic genius. Um, unintentionally so, I think, but uh, we'll go with those. Absolutely. Good choices. Everybody, has, everybody and it's just the thing for KISS fans is everything, everybody has different opinions. Every, every KISS fan has a different opinion about everything. Even though we're and we'd all pick different things tomorrow anyway, right? Exactly. If you ask us tomorrow, it'd be different. Yeah, I started thinking about it, and uh, I was just while you guys were talking, I was thinking, you know, I, I like that uh, Forever video mm-hmm. where they're sitting around, sitting in. That's a beautiful the, video. The lighting of it, it uh, it's really cool. Um, I always enjoyed that video, but I kind of, you know, didn't remember oh, it until you guys started talking. 
It's not even black and white, even. It's like black and br- it's like brown and white, almost. Yeah, sapia. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, it was cool. All right, let's do this one. Um, favorite solo songs from band members. And you can't pick anything from 78. Oh, jeez. And there goes my oldest. 78 albums are off the table. Off there, the table yeah. now. Uh-oh. Good one. There isn't, there isn't any good ones then. Okay. The least. Come on, quickly. Pull out your copy of One for All and Asshole. Well, we're not going to go to Mark then. We're going to give Mark some time. <laughs> give Mark a minute to think about it. I can start to give you an idea. You know, yeah, in third place, what maybe kind of an overlooked album, the third solo album from Bruce Kulick, I think contains a lot of good songs, especially the ones he isn't singing himself. You know. And That's very diplomatically put. Yeah, 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 you know. In third place on my list, you're such a dirty girl. Perfect. Don't, don't you know, almost like a pop song. Uh, it's like if it would have been un- unmasked, it would have been the first single. You know, I really like that one. And there's a few more. So if you haven't listened to Bruce Kulick, you know BK3, go and go and listen to it. In second place, you know, I didn't think I didn't think he had it in him anymore when he released the Anomaly album Ace Frehley back in I think it was 2009. Uh, but I really liked. Uh, called Outer Space. Uh, I think it was like an homage to his persona in Kiss and still a cool rock song. So that's my number two. And the first one, I don't know why this is so overlooked because I think it's it would have worked perfectly in Kiss except that the lyrics are kind of non-Kissish, if, if you can say that. But, but uh, Live to Win... Uh, the Paul Stanley, the first single of his latest solo album is like a rock alive. If you see his uh, DVD, uh, One Live Kiss, it rocks big time. And uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of bummed out that he didn't save it for a Kiss album and rearrange it somewhat. It would have worked great. But uh, Live to Win, even though he's done that concept to death lately on Twitter, for example, uh, I love that song. Uh, Best one for me, absolutely. All right, finished mine. <laughs> Better live than studio, though, for Live to Win. Julian, what about you? Um, these aren't in any order, but uh, <laughs> Vinnie Vincent, Invasion, last song on the album, title track. Nice. Love the vibe of it. Uh, it's always been a favorite. I was, I was thinking about. It. I knew I had to have a Vinnie song in there, and just there's so much good stuff for me on. The second album versus the first, the histrionics, uh, just get a little bit on my nerves on that album. But Invasion is just the one song on that album that I find really balanced um, and just chugs along really nicely. So, um, second one, I'm going to go with one that from day one, when I found this cassette in a store in Singapore, um, Peter Chris Out of Control, You Better Run, his cover of that song i absolutely love everything about his his the sound of the guitars the sound of the production his voice and my final pick is into the night for comet 
it, just because 87, again, uh, being a newbie fan, discovering Ace had a solo career, um, which I didn't know anything about him at that point, didn't know that he'd been trying and what it represented. Um, always loved that video, which, of course, Ken shot in the Bay Area, San Francisco. So that's it. Three three picks. Good ones. Throwing the Vinny song in there. Very nice. Ken, what about you? My three... Uh, Came up with them real quickly. Um, <laughs> That's the best way. The best way. Uh, uh, no particular order. Um, Rock Soldiers from Fraley's Comet. Uh, just, just a great start-off okay. song. I always love that song. Um, it's classic Ace. Um, that's a great song. Um, then uh, I agree with also with um, Daniel with Dirty Girl. I love that song. I love uh, Doug Feger, uh, who I guess he passed away a yep. couple of years ago, right? Um, and he was part of The Knack, uh, lead singer for The Knack. And I've always loved his, his voice and uh, the way he sings, his style. Uh, but that's a great song. I agree. And then the other one is, I don't know if may get shot for this one, but uh, Sweet and Dirty Love from uh, the Gene yeah. Simmons. Asshole. I like it. It's more of the classic Kiss style of song for me and and I enjoy that one. It's probably it might be the only song I enjoy off that anymore, off that album. It's a, it's a tough album to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, what about you? You came up with yours. Yeah. So I guess mine was more of a matter of thinking of what songs I dislike the least out of their. One thing I really, I'm not a big fan of their post-78 solo stuff that they've done. But uh, if I had to pick three, I think uh, number one would probably have to go to uh, Ace with Rock Soldiers. I really kind of dig that song. I mean, I've just recently got back into listening to his solo albums there that he was doing. And uh, it's, it's pretty catchy. It's always been kind of a, I think, a staple Ace song for him. And, uh, you know, it's more one of the more stronger songs on his record um number two uh much like julian i'm gonna have to go with a vinnie song because i've i wasn't the biggest vinnie vincent invasion liker but some of the songs i thought was pretty good enough you know i mean being a opening song kind of guy i've always liked boys are gonna rock that's always been kind of an interesting song to me and i thought it was a pretty bombastic we'd open up a record so i thought that that was a decent one to pick and uh for paul because i i just can't go to gene's record i'm sorry his stuff is just horrendous but um for paul's record for live to win their song i do own the record the only song i can actually get through without someone feeling like i need to vomit is uh, live to win that's probably the only song that I think I kind of can get through somewhat decently but uh, that's about it but that was that was tough I had a way, way easier time if we did do the 78 songs but I guess like you said it probably would have been too easy then so good good, good idea keeping it to those ones well we know that if we're going to do a song about solo I'm not to include Mark on it so. <laughs> 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 um my top three would be Breakout. I love the guitar riff on yeah. um, <laughs> Shot Full of Rock. Um, 
great, great song also. And my number one, the Echo Daniel, is Live to Win. Um, love that song when it came out. I love I, I love running to that song. It's just phenomenal, in my opinion. I listen to it. I listen to it a lot. So those are my top three, really hands down. So, so so actually, Live to Win. Live to Win wins because it got the yeah. most. It's the best solo kiss song Wait. ever. If you... Two number one votes and a, and a vote from Ken. Hashtag winning. Mark and I did uh, rock, uh, rock, rock. You rock. Close second. <laughs> All right. Well, we got time for one more? Yeah, pick one good one to wrap hey. it up with. One more. How about your favorite kiss interview? Kiss has done a lot of fun interviews over the years. And I, I think if you're going to do a Mount Rushmore of Kiss interviews, I think the Tom Snyder show would have to be the George Washington head on it. But, let, and I don't know if anybody's going to say their favorite interviews is not going to have Tom Snyder in it, but um, Julian, what do, you, what do you got for your, some of your favorite Kiss interviews? Well, it, it's not all Kiss interviews, really, for me. Um, you know, obviously Tom Snyder is is the top there. There's just nothing else. It is the definitive um, kiss interview. I, I'm, I'm going to cop out a little bit. I, I'd written down, um, you know, obviously I have some recordings, and one of the best ones I have is actually Northampton, PA, 75, before um, Dress to Kill comes out. And there's a good interview segment of just a dude hanging around backstage talking to Gene and Paul in particular. You know, Ace comes by, I think briefly and you hear the road crew um, but you get Peter talking about the New York Dolls and how they're over you get kind of Gene talking about the new album how they're about to release Dress to Kill and it's kind of like the calm before the storm because they didn't do any major press um, interviews at that time so Dress to Kill is when they start taking off this interview I think it's about 12-13 minutes um, and it's not even a structured interview as such. There's there's no pretensions. There's no grief. You know, Gene's talking about his uh, spider belt buckle or or jewelry and telling you what its name is. And Peter's just really anim animated and positive. They're talking how they're just canceling a show uh, for the next night to prepare for the Beacon show. So everything that it's wrapped up in is just awesome to me. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that'll get out there one of these days, but uh, don't hold your breath. Um, next one is Ace Solo, and it's from Anomaly. It was when he was in San Francisco appearing on 1077 The Bone here, and I was in the studio for that um, with some other fans. Uh, it was just you know a Friday thing that they do. They bring in stars sometimes, and they let some people from the public in to hang out in the studio while these guys do a radio interview. And... It was Ace, seeing Ace getting back on the horse with a new studio album. Uh, Derek Hawkins was there, um, as was Frank, um, who was Ace's handler, and the the, the whole uh, the rock behind the Anomaly album that got it made it was just really cool. And it was great to be up close with Ace, who I hadn't met to that point. Um, so again, that's more from a personal perspective than anything that was outstanding in terms of contributions to society and human well-being. So that's my three. The Dress to Kill thing is pretty interesting because Gene talking about a new album coming out and he can't compare it to it's the greatest thing we've done since Destroyer. So that's probably really interesting. Yeah, you know, and, and, <laughs> and they're saying, you know, 
this during the show, and I mean the show leaked out there. Unfortunately, um, I mean Paul's introducing here some songs that you know a song off the album that's coming out next week. I mean, Dress the Kill's not out; it's the first. Um, you know, you know that that show and that interview, freaking cool shit. So, yeah, Mark, what about you? Well, I mean, uh, I, I think I can agree with Julian, and obviously the the, the pinnacle is going to be everyone's going to say Tom Schneider, but if, without using that one. There's the three interviews that I kind of enjoyed over the years. Is uh, the one that I liked is uh, Gene Simmons did one when the solo albums came out. And he was in a, I think it was in a comic book store, and he was talking about comics with this guy. Yeah. And it was a good interview. I think it was like nine, ten minutes long, and that was a really interesting interview to listen to at that time because it kind of discussed his love of comics as well. And you know, it wasn't only just about music. So I kind of dug that interview. It showed a different side of Gene. Which was interesting. Um, the other one that I liked too was there was a bit, there was an interview that they did the four of them out of makeup with that girl who did that that Nightwing, that Nightwing girl who did those, Al- uh, Allison Steele. Yeah, in, in the, yeah, in the park. It was the one in the park where they were all out oh, yeah. of makeup, and you just saw them from their back, and they were talking outside there. I always thought that was an interesting. Uh, San Francisco. Yeah, interesting interview there to to do because you know it kept the the mystique of their. You know what did they look like, and you know you still got to hear them all in an interview style segment, which is really cool. And the third one that I really liked, which uh, it's funny, I just saw it in pieces not long ago, was when Gene and Paul did the Flo and Eddie thing with Jane the Elder. I thought that was always an interesting thing with Paul and them always using that little uh, audience laughing thing with the tape recorder. There, they would always kind of insert their own laughter for themselves there. And, uh, you know, it was interesting that uh, one of the rare times you would see them, I guess, in their elder outfits too, right, during the interview segment. So I thought those were the three that kind of stuck in my mind when we talked about interviews. So those nice. are my three. Nice picks. Good ones, yeah. Dana, what about you? What do you got? Well, uh, you've, you've said most of them, but I just have to add that I, I think you uh, there's this young kid, I think he, he does some sort of podcast by himself. He can't even be 20 years old, but uh, he interviewed Eric Singer like half a year back. Yeah, Cassius. Yeah, have you seen that interview? Have you yeah. listened to that interview? That interview is fantastic, great. and that kid's going yeah. places. Watch him. He's going to do well. Yeah, because he managed to, to make Eric Singer open up and speak you know, about things that you haven't heard about before. So that's actually one of my favorite interviews ever. And it was kind of funny because Eric Singer, he, he said more than he had to. Like, it was almost like he felt, well, this is a young kid. I have to, like, give him a, a story or two. So so it, uh, that's one of my favorites, actually. And Tom Snyder, of course. And then the other one where Paul Stanley totally... <laughs> yeah, have you seen that interview? Every, uh, I think it's the Revenge era, so Lon has probably seen it. You know, it's uh, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. Yes. I guess it's like 90, probably 94, because uh, the hairline of Paul Stanley has, you know, receded <laughs> quite a bit since 92. So you can see it, you know, it's 94, because something like three centimeters so happened between 92 and 94. So, and, uh, and the interview is kind of funny because they disagree on what is important in rock and roll. Paul Stanley says, well, it's the music is always the most important stuff. And then he starts with his shtick, you know, well, uh, the, 
the babies uh, <laughs> in South America and you know all that kind of stuff and and Paul just like he's had it and he but oh boy the imaginary baby once again <laughs> and then and then they asked Paul well what what's the, the the biggest thing you've achieved well you can always make up stories about women uh, <laughs> but I think music is a little bit more important any idiot can get a woman. When you're on tour, so so music music is more important than bragging about the other stuff. And you see, like Gene, he cuts off the interview and says, "I don't go for that shit, Paul. You have to stop it." But I think you, Paul had a point there. I mean, he was just fed up. Gene does the same thing every time. So that's one of my favorite interviews. Yeah, that's actually really funny because it's a really behind the scenes curtain look at how they don't really get along as much as you would think that. As much as they try to put on a front that they do, that's a really funny interview, actually. But 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 I would like to hear, if we have time, I don't know. But but I would like to hear your favorite, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Kiss covers because there are a lot. It would be nice to hear what Kiss covers you have uh, listened to through the years and what you like. Uh, so do we have time for that one? I'm good. Yeah, we can do. It. Ken, do you have any interviews? Do you want to? Yeah, talk? of course, Tom Snyder. So we'll throw that one out. Everyone knows that one's classic. Um, another one uh, for me is uh, it was a night flight uh, interview for Creatures of the Night. Mm-hmm. That one. Uh, there's been a few of them. I think they're all good, uh, but that one was kind of interesting, and it had Vinny and Eric included in that one. So it was uh, it was a cool interview. I have the the like whatever the uncut version of that when they were filming it so that was cool uh, another one is uh, Land of Hype and Glory that one uh, was was kind of you know interesting um, of course they you know the Kiss is all hype and you know the marketing machine and all that kind of stuff you know it's but uh, that was a good one and then the other one is uh, I remember uh, getting up, it was like on a Sunday morning, and and, and catching this. Uh, the kids are people too. <laughs> show when I was young, and uh, when they were introduced, uh, Eric Carr uh, to this group of audience of kids, and, and the kids were asking questions. And what's funny about that is they were asking questions, uh, too many questions about. I think Peter Chris, yeah. <laughs> and they just introduced Eric Carr. I'm like, oh man, pretty bad. <laughs> this is not going. <laughs> so th- those are pretty much it. I mean, it's a lot of good interviews, but those are uh, ones that stick out for me. Well, when you say Peter, Chris, and interview and kiss, have you seen that interview when the kid talks about uh, kissing and and Peter, Chris is is so high you can't believe it, and he's like, "Do you enjoy kissing? Do you like kissing?" Right. And he's all empty in his eyes. Do you enjoy kissing? And the kid is like eight years old. And he's like, uh, have you seen that interview? It's great. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> um, mine, just to echo everybody, I mean, you think Kiss interview, the first thing you think of is Tom Snyder interview. Um, and there's there's a YouTube video of it you can find on, out there from 79 when they're in St. Louis and they're interviewing Gene and Paul, and they both have their backs to the cameras. It's still 79, you know, you don't, they're not in makeup. And Gene has, like, sunglasses on the back of his hair and that. And it's 
not that there's a lot of great content in that interview, but it's just a very unique and, and different. I, yeah, that's the only interview like that that I, I think I've ever seen um, with them just interviewing with their backs to the cameras the whole time. Very, very appropriate for, for Kiss in the 70s, but, you know, it's not showing their faces. And maybe most awkward Kiss interview of all time um, is the, the Mike Douglas interview. Yeah, someone finally said it. One, I was wondering um, if we were going to be hiding the, the hook. The most awkward and most kind of cringeworthy interview of all time. Your audience looks delicious. and <laughs> I am evil incarnate. No, you're, right. not, you're a nice Jewish boy from Long Island. Right. <laughs> Maybe the most un- uncomfortable kiss interview of all time. It's just like, you know, before we really knew, before Gene really knew how to act um, with the makeup on, you know, Gene kind of, and it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's also refreshing too because it's Gene talking like the demon the whole time and not Gene talking like a businessman the whole time. Um, it's Gene playing the demon role while not on stage, which you don't ever see at all, especially 96 forward. You never see Gene, and Gene playing the demon role while he's not on stage with the makeup on. So I, it's entertaining. Most, maybe the most entertaining Watch. And it goes back to the comment about his stage banter as well, about how uncomfortable, you know. And, and again, that, that's why you don't talk in between songs. Yep. You just kind of stand there. Just shut up and breathe um, fire. <laughs> so Daniel brought up another another top three list that might be fun to do real quick. Um, top three, Kiss has been covered by a lot of different bands. Um, and there are some good ones out there. And there's there's some poor ones out there also, um, but I'll kick it off real quick. Just sitting here thinking about it after Daniel brought it up. My favorite cover is Skid Row's version of "Come On and Love Me," <laughs> and Julian's mentioning that. Shut up, Julian. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sebastian's phenomenal. Sebastian bitch mm. or whatever. Oh, Sebastian. I, I think Sebastian is phenomenal, and I think his lyrics are. I agree. It's just—it's a ballsy cover of that song. It just breathes like an early '90s vibe into that song. By the way, did you see the footage from his wedding? Yes. Yeah, kind of cool. He—he's just—he's just—he's like the Kiss fan that—that's a rock. He's a—he's a rock star that happens to be a Kiss fan, or a Kiss fan that just happens to be a rock star. You know, he, he does all. He, he just. We're gonna do this, but we're gonna do it kiss. You know, we're gonna make it. We're gonna do this, but it's gonna be kissified, or whatever you want to say. It. Um, another one of mine is "Strange Ways" by Megadeth. I think that's a cool take on on that song, also with Dave's voice over that song, kind of breathe a, a mid '90s life into that song, also. And I guess for my third one. I don't know if I have a third one. Those two just those two just really stand out for me more than more than any other songs that have been covered by the band. But, um, there's a unique one out there of like Crazy Nights that was turned into like a ballad almost. It was in like a Schmirnoff commercial a few years back, and maybe it's not a song that I'm going to dial up and listen to on on you know dial my amplifiers up to number ten and listen to it. But it's a very unique version and unique take on that song. Um, you can. You can Google it on, on, or put it in the YouTube, type in Crazy Night Smirnoff commercial, and you can find it. And I think the song's even on iTunes also. But 
it's a unique version of that song and maybe the most that's un- probably the most unique kiss cover out there in my opinion but it, but it's a but it's a cool take on the song also so. daniel you're shaking your head in agreeing with me so what do you got yeah i think that guy was actually from norway who did that one. Oh really uh, yeah so uh, it's uh, a scandinavian but anyway, my my favorite tribute songs actually stem back from the mid '90s. I guess probably because it was the height of my Kiss mania. Uh, but they released quite a few tribute albums back in the mid '90s. I don't know if you remember these. Uh, for example, uh, French Kissin' I think was like a tribute album that uh, came from Montreal or something. Yeah. And there's a really good song. Uh, version of Dues on that one and the band is just called Anonymous Anonymous <laughs> I don't know whoever played on that song but it's a really good version of Dues uh, so if you um, you should check that one out if you haven't heard it and another one is uh, from an album called Dress. I think it's called Dress to Kill an unofficial tribute to Kiss or something from 95 um and it's a version of God of Thunder. I think the band is called Fuel. Mm. Uh, really cool version of God of Thunder. They pick up the tempo a little bit, and the singer just sings the crap out of that song. Uh, one of my all-time favorites. And then a more known song, uh, a more known cover, actually, would be my third pick, and that's Creatures of the Night by Iced Earth, uh, where they they kind of updated that song a little bit, uh, at least sonically. Uh, it's kind of close to the to the original, but it's it's a really cool version. So cool. that's my very cool three. picks, especially that last oh. one. I like that. Yeah. Have you heard the two previous? Have you heard the the you you know those tribute albums from the mid nineties? Yeah, you have. I have. I, I mean, I I'm so over tribute albums at this point. I don't even buy them. Yeah. I mean, I did get so, this hotter than now one that uh, Jeff Westlake did, and obviously we had a, him on as a guest. Um, but I got rid of all my tribute albums. They were just taking up too much space, and I kind of got to the point where I just want to re- listen to the originals. Um, they've got to be yeah. really different. So that's where my picks come from. Pick number one is Nirvana. Do you love me? And I know a lot of people hate that, but let me tell you why. Because that's really the tribute album, um, hard to believe, that kicked off all the other tribute albums. It was the first. And obviously, Kurt didn't just do that as a, as a joke. Because if you look on the cover of Nevermind, there's Love Gun worked into his collage. So think about that before, you know, it's not a great cover. But if you take the whole package of what it all meant, you know, and I like Nirvana, so I don't care what anyone says. I know they get a lot of hate, but um, I've got all their shit. So, love that. Number two, Garth Brooks, Harlock Woman. Perfect combination of Kiss with a cross-genre musician, countrifying. Instead of going the Rod Stewart route and kind of trying to update that song that way, um, you know, that, that's just really works for me and it's the only song off kiss my ass that is worth the time of day to me um number three i've sung the praises of double virgo secretly cruel so many times that i'm not going to put that on my list um i've really got to go with one that was earlier and that's lounge lizard boots kiss army online version of war machine um which the old kol aol board 
you know, and Kathy Labonte and her efforts to raise money for charity with that CD, um, because that be comes from the beginning of the Kiss history on the internet. Loved that first CD and just how raw some of the versions were and the humor with which, you know, War Machine was done. So those are mine. My four, actually, throwing in double Virgo. Cool. Thanks. Mark, what do you got? Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was never really much into the whole tribute beat album thing myself. Um, like Julian said, I, I think that for me, the originals were always more what I was interested in. And if you're going to do a cover of it, it better be, you know, either really well done or just somewhat different. And I think the ones that I'm going to pick are just ones that I think are not necessarily redone in any kind of way, but just are just played well, I think, in general. Like, I'm the two two of them are from Anthrax. I mean, Anthrax did a version of She. I thought that was pretty good. And on one of their own um, albums that they did, a, a live album years ago, I think this is when they still had the original... Well, not the original lineup, but when they had Joey Belladonna and still, uh, they did a version of Parasite on their live album as well, which was really fast, like in tempo compared to the original. But I always thought that that was uh, an interesting version of the song. And, uh, you know, those Anthrax guys are huge Kiss fans. So those two are definitely high on my list. And I got to agree with Julian. The one song that I was very surprised with on the whole Kiss My Ass album had to be the Garth Brooks version of Hard Luck Woman. I really thought that that was done really well. And I, you know, when you first look at the back there and you see Garth Brooks doing it, you're thinking to yourself, oh boy, Garth Brooks. But you know what? I got to give him credit. He, he did a really good version of it with them. And, you know, there was, it, it's, it, it's, it's a, probably one of the best songs off of that record, in my opinion. So I would go with those three. Yeah, I mean, it really does. That song really does just fit perfectly. It was the perfect selection for Garth to do on that album. I like the picks on Anthrax. That's that, good. That's a band whose covers are better than the songs they write themselves. So <laughs> when they when they do Kiss or Sabbath, they do winners. Rather listen to that than their own shit any day. <laughs> Ken, what about you? Well, first of all, I can tell you who, who did the worst Kiss cover song. And it was Gene Simmons covering "See You in Your Dreams" oh. on the solo. He shouldn't have. He shouldn't have changed the original one. <laughs> Should have just left it as is. Uh, but outside of that, uh, uh, one of them I like is Anthrax uh, doing "She." Uh, that's one of my favorites there. Um, also uh, from the "Kiss My Ass" album. Uh, I like Black Diamond, Yoshiki doing Black Diamond, the kind of classical piece. Mm. Um, it really works uh, as, a, as that sort of piece, and it's, I love to listen to that thing. It's just awesome, you know. And, you know, again, it's going back to one of my favorite songs of Kiss, so it's kind of a preference. Um, the other one is kind of a, a out there for me, but it was, it's, it was kind of cool that it was done. Uh, Doro did uh, only you yeah nice one from from the elder um so that that was cool also i wasn't gonna say the share version of the other i wouldn't do that but uh uh, uh was a uh, world she did a world without heroes but uh, that wasn't that was okay but not that good those are mine very nice yeah well those are our lists of different kiss topics from 
riffs to mistakes to lead guitarists, drummers, stage banters, non-makeup albums, interviews, solo songs, and cover songs. So quite a wide variety of topics um, to the viewers out there. What are what are your favorites of those? Did we miss any? Did we get it right on any of them? So if you're watching, <laughs> listening to this, let us know what your thoughts are and let us know if, if you're on my team with Revenge as the greatest makeup album or if you're on Team Julian. <laughs> um, so give us your feedback. Let us know what you think. Um, leave us messages on the FAQ board. Leave us messages at Kiss FAQ Facebook, Kiss FAQ Podcast Facebook page. Um, listen to us on, watch us on YouTube. Listen to us on iTunes, Spreaker app. And for Julian, for Daniel, for Mark, who has disappeared, for Ken, I am Lonnie Weissar, STL Kiss on the FAQ message board. Thank you for listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast. You say classic Kiss Army. Thank you, Lonnie, for hosting. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today. We hope to see you again.